I'm JD and I am obsessed with cycling. I like watching cycling. Wow. I like pictures and videos of cycling. I love absolutely everything to do with getting out on my bike. Uh, I've got flat. Meeting new people. Who are you? I was hoping you were going to tell me. <laughs> Seeing great new places. This was once a road, I imagine. Must have been a long time ago. And cracking open a beer when it's all done. Oh, yeah. So this is Ride Fresh. Not for the pros, just for normal people who like coffee and cake and kit and cycling, if you're interested. If you ride enough, it's worth it, but you need to ride a lot. So if you want to learn about new routes and great places to stop from other people who like cycling, keep listening and follow ridefresh.cc on Instagram to see the things that we're talking about. Hi, I'm JD, and this is the first episode of Ride Fresh. And given that it is the first episode, I should probably explain a bit about what it is. Now, I listen to a lot of cycling podcasts, and there are some really great ones out there. If you want to hear about pro cycling, there's loads out there with great insight into the pro peloton. For training tips, you can hear some really experienced coaches who have helped some of the biggest names in the pro peloton onto podiums all over the world. Then there's those cycling stories, people who've completed these superhuman challenges, maybe cycling around the world on a bamboo bike with a broken wheel or around Southeast Asia eating nothing but food that they've foraged or whatever. The point is that I'm interested in all these things and I do like the podcasts, but it's not really why I got into cycling. For me, it was just the social element of being able to meet your mates, go for coffee maybe, and then just stop somewhere for a beer at the end. Seeing new places and not northern Patagonia or these really far-flung places, maybe just somewhere that's like 30k from your house with a great view that you'd never know was there unless you'd gone up there on a bike. And I know a lot of people who feel the same actually, especially since the first lockdown. There's thousands of people out there who picked up a bike in what became a massive cycling boom and then six months later when they picked up the basics and they got a bit sick of riding through their town now that the cars are all back on the road, they're all asking me questions. They're asking things like, do you know any good routes out there? Where's good to ride? Or I found this route on Strava, but where do I stop for lunch? Or maybe I'm just thinking of buying a new jersey, but I don't want exactly the same thing as everyone else has got. And all this stuff, this is actually all the stuff that I really love. So I thought I'd go out and I'd talk to some of the people I've met through cycling or maybe just follow on Instagram and I'd try and pick up some recommendations that I could share. So every podcast, I'm going to talk to someone who's involved in cycling, usually a business owner of something like a cafe, clothing designer or a brewer with an interest in bikes. I'll meet them where they like to ride from. We'll chat about where we're going. We'll stop off at a cafe so you know where to stop. Then we'll talk some more. And when we finish up, we'll stop for a beer and talk some more. And every time I'll share the route on social media with our recommendations so that you can go out and do the same thing if you're looking for a new ride. For the first few episodes, I also wanted to showcase riding from London because I don't think people see it as a good place to ride from. And it is. So here's the first episode bikes, beers and Brixton and we started at one of the most iconic cycling destinations in the country. Just coming through Herne Hill, just seen the sign for where we're going. The velodrome's tucked away down an alley in what seems like a normal residential street with a bunch of pretty nice Victorian houses. I meet Mike who's one of the co-founders of Brixton Brewery. I know him because they used to run a group ride from the tavern. It's a big gear. We're watching the Olympics in the clubhouse. Ethan Hayter's competing and he used to ride there. Everyone's pretty excited and cheering him on. Good start. In the end, it wasn't his day. We also watched the women's team pursue. Team GB actually lose to the Germans, but I love how people here, they're so passionate about the sport that they clap almost as loudly for the opposition because they set a new world record and they're just genuinely impressed with what's happened. Wow. After the racing, we went outside and we sat down next to the track to chat about where it is we we're going to go today. And by the way, we postponed from last week when it absolutely poured it down and today it's 25 degrees. Perfect. <laughs> What a, what, a, what a perfect miss from last, last week. 
absolutely. The, 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 the torrent versus the sun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a good, good choice. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm here with Mike, one of the co-founders of Brixton Brewery. I know him from Brixton Brewery Cycling Club, which was set up by the brewery. And uh, what we're going to talk about today is basically Brixton, beer, the link with, with beer and cycling, which probably doesn't seem to make sense, but... There's a lot of it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, um, look, first of all, Mike, tell me about Brixton Brewery and what it is. Sure. So, uh, well, thanks for inviting me along to the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, so Brixton Brewery is a brewery, obviously, uh, set up in Brixton, conveniently named um, Brixton Brewery. Um, that was Stay to the obvious up. so far there, Mike. Well, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm very good at that. Um, and uh, yeah, the, so we set up the, the brewery. It was kind of um, a little bit of a, of, a, of a funny story, the way it came about. We... Uh, my wife and I were were wandering around Brixton one wet um, November or I think November day, um, back before Brixton had really sort of taken off as what it is now known for, which is the, the foodie sort of market. I mean, it always had the nightlife and 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 that sort of um, knowledge um, and you know the the concerns about safety, but it was never yeah. really known for food. It was like a nightlife. I mean, I mean, area. for anyone who who doesn't live in London, really, this isn't like Brixton is now a hit place. It's probably what Shoreditch was maybe ten years ago. Yeah, uh, it's it's known for food. It's known for pubs. I mean, what you might not know is Mamado. Do you know the pizza place? Yeah, that started in uh, in Brixton. You probably do know that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, you and can probably name me a whole load of other places that started. There are tons of like Honest Burger is, yeah. is, is started in the market um and these are things franco, that are franco, franco manca yeah which is you know all over the place in now. fact it's i started, said mama Do, he said mama I Do. what i meant was mama Do, i think did they started in in uh, maybe in in peckham or on or, or oak they they do have a shop in brixton as well first correction yeah. yeah there we go um but but yeah so um so we were sort of you know before that whole wave had happened we had gone out looking for lunch with our our newborn baby um, and we wandered into a place which is, it was called the Hive Bar at the time. It's just on Brixton Station Road next to the, the rec center. And uh, we went in and there was only one other table being used. It was a couple who also had a small baby. And my wife is a big fan of, of babies. She's like, you want me to go say hello and <laughs> introduce myself? And, you know, we both got babies. And it turned out that the other couple were Jez and Libby, who eventually became, you know, co-founders of the brewery with us. Um, it was a, it was a funny situation because we were in this restaurant in Brixton. The only two couples both had babies. My wife got to talking to to, to Libby, and it turned out that Libby was Canadian, or is Canadian, and um, and my wife and I are both Canadian. And so for anyone so wondering, Mike's Canadian, by the way. Yeah, if, if you're not sure. <laughs> I, if I haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, and, um, and ultimately, the conversation kept flowing, and it turned out that not only did we have that similarity in the babies, but we also lived across the road from one, one another, so we were neighbors. Um, so it sort of ended up that we agreed that we would meet them again um, for lunch, and we went back to the same venue had lunch, um, got to know them, and Jez and I got on to the idea of, of brewing. He'd always wanted to open a brewery. I'd always had this fantasy of opening a brew pub um, back home, and oddly, you know, it was just never something that I'd you know, pursued. Maybe that wasn't odd, but it just never something I'd pursued. But it's odd that we got on this conversation. I can't really remember anything else about our discussion, but at the end of it, we were like, oh, you know, I think Jez said, you know, we should we should look into starting a, a brewery in Brixton. Probably what's Which, happened uh, on a lot of nights out. A lot of nights out. A lot of, a lot of you know, silly really conversations that, and then they get that, that don't get that don't happen. And and I went home and I was like, oh, I think I'll I'll buy one of those home brew kits. So I bought like a Mr. Beer kit that you brew beer on your stovetop with malt extract. Um, nothing special, but I said sent Jez messages that I'd done that. And then a little while later, he sent me a message because he works in, worked in technology. Like, I, I bought the domain for BrixtonBrewery.com. <laughs> and we were like, oh, well, maybe we're on to something here. Um, and, and, you know, Again, not a sign that's going to come. So I have, I have the domain for RideFresh.cc, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but it is not yet a website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone owns like four or five websites for yeah. the future, just in case. Yeah. But this one, you know, it was like a holding place. 
and um, and eventually we got there. It took another two and a half, three years before we got to that point, but it was um, it was all this just funny. Just a coincidence. Coincidence right? meeting in in this this venue that um, that eventually, as the story unfolds, um, after we opened the brewery, eventually we were ready for a trade launch, and the bar, this hive bar that we'd met in, had been um, had gone out of business, and it was taken over by a company called Craft Beer Co., who I don't know if everyone will know about them, but they basically are a beer craft beer focused bar no food just drinks huge number of taps and you know back back in the sort of um early ish to mid 2000s that was still quite a unique yeah, thing yeah, it's it was much more rare. popular now yeah, but, i mean now it seems like now it's it seems, everywhere yeah exactly exactly but back then and especially in brixton which you know was still as we said just sort of bubbling with this new wave of like foodies and and people really interested in in, in good food and drink and, and anyway, we ended up launching the brewery in trade at Craft Beer Co., which is the venue where we met and conceived the idea. Wow. So it was quite amazing that that sort of came full circle. And now Brixton, um, Brixton beer is, is everywhere. Uh, well, we're trying to get everywhere. We try to, to, to be everywhere. Um, it's certainly been uh, an, an interesting ride and, and, and growth over the last, you know, eight years. It's been, it's been quite mad um, with all that's happened. Look, we're going to talk more about this later. I'll sure. find out much more about what happened yeah. with the brewery and kind of your story. But let's just talk about like where we are at the moment because the point of this podcast is not just to talk about products, it's to talk about all the things that go with cycling. So, you know, it'll be food, beer, as, as we've sort of mentioned, yeah. coffee. And we've just had a coffee and we're actually alongside probably one of the most iconic uh, places in South London for, for cycling. And you may have heard as we've been talking maybe that that sort of free hub sound we're, we're at Hernhill velodrome yeah and we've yeah. just been watching the track cycling indoors team gb probably not do maybe as well as well silver's good silver's good in the, in, the, in the women's yeah that was that was great unfortunately they, they lost the race but they still won silver which is fantastic but, i mean this is yeah. a great place you, you ride here mike uh, i have just started riding here yeah um we um we i ride with a bunch of guys on sundays and um, they'd started doing this a couple of months ago, and for certain personal reasons, I couldn't couldn't do it until recently. But uh, I did a, a taster session and, and got the accreditation to be able to, to ride with the uh, with the, the older folk and, and the experienced folk. And I've been doing it for about two or three weeks now, and I love it. I just think it's amazing. It's just so fun to do another discipline of yeah. cycling that is very different to everything else that I'm used to doing. You know, I grew up mountain biking, did a bit of BMX and, and some road cycling, but this is just, you know, it's a fantastic venue with some amazingly friendly people. Everyone's great. And, uh, and even last, last week on, uh, on Wednesday, we came here, I brought my son here on Wednesday evening to watch the track league. And, um, and it was uh, a race that Fred Wright of, um, of Team Bahrain Victorious was participating in because he's on a break from, you know, from his pro cycling and, calendar. And you told me, and first of all, you, you, yeah. you didn't know it was Fred yeah. Wright. Is that I didn't, right? I, did didn't, I didn't know Fred Wright at first. And on the Tuesday morning session, um, the day before the race, uh, which is like a, it's, it's, a, it's a women's and men over 40 session. Yeah. Um, but there is this younger younger guy involved. And um, one of the guys I ride with sort of turned to me and said, oh, you, you, know, you know who that is? And I was like, oh, you mean the one in the, like, the full kit? He's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's Fred Wright. He's just finished the Tour de France. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> how, how did I not know that? And then, uh, and then we took off, off, the, uh, off the wall and paired up. And I ended up paired up with him. With so you're riding with a Tour de France rider. Riding alongside a Tour de France uh, finisher <laughs> rider, not really knowing what to say to break the, uh, to break the, the ice. I'm not all that much of an icebreaker um, in conversation in the first place, but um, but after maybe eight laps, I finally just thought, well, maybe I'll just, you know, so I hear you just finished a, a big bike race. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then we got to talking. He's a super friendly guy. He's, he obviously raced here when he was a kid. 
um, and uh, and his dad races here or rides here at least, and uh, and his dad I think also helps out you know with the with the, the cafe. He was the announcer, yeah, uh, the MC for the the ride and the track racing on Wednesday night. So yeah, a real family affair. And uh, and when was, we've seen a whole amazing. there's a whole load of famous names who've ridden here. I mean, like Bradley Wing is probably the most famous one that everyone knows. Who's yes, Hern Hill. Exactly. I yeah. mean, just today we've been watching Team GB. Ethan yeah, Hater. Ethan Hater. He came up through this place. So, I mean, yeah. it's, got, it's got real heritage. It really does. I was telling you, 1948 Olympic Games, this was the place. Yeah. It's the only surviving venue from the 1948 Olympic Games. A little bit How of knowledge that? for you there. There you go. Good knowledge. Good knowledge. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. So, but, it's, but it's gone through an amazing regeneration, um, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. And, uh, and the community that's built around it now is just phenomenal. You know, we're sitting here right now watching a bunch of, uh, you know, 20 kids ride around as part of, yeah. of a camp. And they're and probably like... 10 and under and, and, um, and starting early. 10 minutes ago it was probably guys in their 40s and 50s yeah. who were riding around yeah so. exactly so you know all generations uh, are, are, are certainly all involved here so yeah. this is the start point Mike yeah we're going to go on a ride let's just talk briefly about where we're going to go today because here we are technically Brixton is southwest London isn't it yeah but really we're going to go southeast. We're going to go Kent. southeast. Yeah, exactly. It's, and and it's, that's where that's where you would ride. Yeah, that's where we ride. Yeah, yeah. Generally, if I'm if I'm heading out, that's the the direction we go toward Kent. You know, as you say, Brixton is an SW postcode, but actually getting out to the southeast much is, easier. is much easier than than fighting the traffic all the way over to Surrey. Um, so Kent in it's it's fantastic. And the the great thing about Kent for me. As as someone who who likes hills, yeah, um, is I mean you got the build for it, Mike. I've got the build for it. I think I, I'm going to struggle today. I weigh next to nothing. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have the build to climb, but um, but I love the the sharp inclines of, of Kent. I just yeah. think they're they're so much fun. You know, and, and there's quite a lot to choose from, really, isn't there? I there mean, if really we just is. sort of list a few, like as we go out, I mean, there's things like Bedlstead, which yeah. is is a, a bit less dramatic. Yeah. Um, you've got some of the bigger names like Toys Hill is yeah, pretty tough. You've got right, Hyde yeah. Hill. Yeah. Um, what, what else? Any any others? That you yeah, like? I mean, I, I I like I like Star Hill. Which, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't think it's you know one that like people have heard of necessarily. Don't talk about, but it's it's a nice little. Uh, Slightly winding, um, yeah. short, sharp beast, and a bit of um, self-flagellation. Maybe a little bit of chalk pit lane. Uh, I love chalk pit lane. In I, fact, I was on my way so. home from camping the other week, and our sat nav took us up chalk pit lane. So I got all excited and like, oh, so chill. My wife, I was like, oh, this is this is one of the, the rides that I do. And I'm like, oh yeah, I do this. Drive, driving up chalk pit lane, and she's she's really not. Yeah, all my that, girlfriend and I, I sort of describe as we're yeah, driving through like, Kent. Oh, I ride down here. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, this is boring. It's like, yeah. Oh, you ride up a hill. Great, good for you. <laughs> like, but do you see how the car is struggling to get up right now? <laughs> Think about this on a bike. She's like. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lydia, yeah. my fiance is like, yeah. Well, all I'm thinking is, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why put yourself through the pain? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Chuckboo Lane's another another um, beast, beastly favourite of mine. And the only um, point I'm making here is, look, this the the first few podcasts are doing are all sort of based in and around London. And yeah. I think you would naturally think, or oh, London, why would you ride there? But actually. You know, just right next to London, you've got. I mean, this is a great thing about the UK, really. You're never too far from from great places to ride. Exactly. Yeah, it's true. And even you know, I think I used to think that about London myself before yeah. I started, you know, riding on a, on a road bike and getting out of the city. You know, it takes 35, 40 minutes to get out into the proper green belt. Yeah. Um, but at least from from Brixton, it does. Um, but once you're out there, it's just it's glorious. And when I go back to Canada and ride around Toronto, for example. Mm. Um, it's the access to this is not as easy, but you'd think Canada just easy Simple. access to, you know, great riding all the time. But if you're in the city center like that, it can be tricky to get out. So London really is actually quite fantastic because I think I've not done it myself, but I know you can get out, you know, to the north as well. Yeah. And there's great riding out there. Obviously, we talked about Surrey and the southwest. So, yeah, the, the southeast is, is our playground. And. Uh, it's it's great for riding. Yeah, and, and me too. Obviously, I'm from Bromley, which yeah. is technically Ken inside the M25. Uh, to anyone who doesn't know, um, we talked about some of the hills you can do. Where are we going today? So I think um, we'll, uh, depending on how much time we have, um, we can certainly we'll certainly head out um, via Crystal Palace, which is yeah. the, the the natural way out of town. Um, and then I thought perhaps we'd head up toward um, toward Cudham. Yeah, um, and then from there we Cut can. Cut and power sesh. 
of the A21? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Um, and then, uh, and then from there we can maybe head up one side of toys, mm -hmm. um, just to give you a little bit of a, a little bit of pain on on the hills. And then hurt me, Mike. Hurt you? There you go. I'll try to be gentle. <laughs> um, and then we'll come down the same side of of, of toys that we went up. Mm -hmm. And maybe over towards Star Hill, which is then a nice way into, um, or a nice. In fact, it's probably the only way I know how to get to Einsford, which is where we talked about um, the idea of doing a, a nice cafe stop, which is a yeah. beautiful little village. And you, you, I mean, I, I imagine we come down that big descent, right? And then you take a, a little left, and there's a little cafe on the corner. Uh, you go through that little ford, you know, the little street exactly. over the bridge. Exactly. It's really yeah. nice. So we'll share some photos of that when we share yeah, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really beautiful place. And then um, we'll head up that sort of undulating bit, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, I mean, actually, I think the first time that I ever went this route, I think we were talking earlier before before we started recording about how, you know, we got to know each other during the, the brewery cycling ride. Yeah. And then hadn't seen each other because of COVID for so yeah. long. But actually, it was probably one of yours or, or your friend John's rides that yeah. I just copied to get out to Onsford for the <laughs> right, first time. Yeah. And so, so I don't actually know the roads all that well. I've only ever taken one, one particular route. Um, but yeah, the, the, the exit from there is, is, is really, really nice. Um, and, uh, and I don't know if it's the undulating one, but it's, it's, it's a beautiful Everything ride out of town. There's undulating. also, there's also um, we can do it maybe just for, for show, but there's a, there's a beautiful old railway bridge um, just around the corner from, uh, from, from Einsford. I guess you'd call it part of Einsford, but it's sort of off the, the beaten track. Okay. And, uh, and it's stunning. And I'm, I studied engineering um, in, right. in, the, in school and university, so I've got a little bit of a thing for Soft structural uh, uh, railway bridges. And uh, so yeah, we'll go check that out as well. That sounds great. Well, I suppose we'll go and do it. Perfect, sounds good. In the velodrome we take some main roads down past Crystal Palace, then we turn off at Beckenham and head into Kent. It's about 15k, a lot of it downhill. It takes about 40 minutes on the main roads, but it's worth it because when you get to the green and it happens really fast, all of a sudden you feel like you're out of London and you're properly in the countryside in Kent. There's a segment called Brasted Hill Slog. 11k at 1.5%. It's the kind of thing that really gets you when you're riding with people quicker than you. And by the way, that's a bit of a running theme for this podcast. You're going to hear a lot of this. This is going to be the soundtrack of the ride. <laughs> that's me, out of breath. You head towards Down with an E, and at some point you hit Down Road Climb, which is ironic because it doesn't go down, it goes up steeply. This is the 25%er that Mike's been telling me about. Might have to see you at the top, Mike. There's also Star Hill, which is about 8% over a kilometre. It's a really decent test. I mean, just look at the view on your left as well. You can take more in going up. <laughs> this section's pretty up and down, so there are some good descents too. We go through Lullingston, which I explained to Mike, is where someone was killed last year. I know, I was just talking about how much I love that section. Now every time I ride by, I'm just gonna think murder, bloody murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It really is nice though, it's worth a visit. Then there's another massive descent to Ainsford, where there's a nice little cafe by a ford. So we sat down next to the water and had a coke. Crack on. I'm getting into that, aren't we? I feel like that's my thing. I'll be, I'll be better at the clapping than at the podcast That's bit. your con contribution <laughs> to the... That's all. You can, just, you can just make the recording yourself, giving your, your local knowledge tours of Kent. <laughs> about the uh, the murders yeah the murders and the uh, the lavender at the farm yeah yeah and I'll just be this guy can there you tell you I've been reading up yeah <laughs> ready oh yeah oh, nice that, that was a good plan I didn't think to do that right well look we've stopped off here in Lullingston no we haven't I'm going to no. start again yeah right we've stopped off here in Ainsford yeah I don't know if you can hear the, the water trickling down there, but we're sat next to this lovely little ford with a bridge that goes across here. Lots of cyclists riding across. We've been into the Riverside Tea Room, I think it's called. Oh, and here we're about to get a real show right now. Oh, oh dear. Boy, driving directly through the ford. 
Everyone kind of watches with amazement as this truck drives through the water like it's an alien invasion or something. But in fairness, anyone who's ever stopped there has probably wondered, does anyone ever actually drive down that ramp next to the bridge? So a whole load of people were just having that question answered for the first time. But I've never well, seen that happen I've before. never seen that happen before. And do you know what? I always wondered if Fords were still used. The, the last time I came through here, I also had a spotting that I was not expecting. What was that? We were on just on the other side of the, the Ford, um, beside the cafe. And a couple of guys rode by in black tops. And I looked at one of them and I thought, oh, that looks a little bit like the Yorkshire flower. And um, my friend Sam, who runs Pariah, mm -hmm. I was like, I think Sam does a shirt with, with uh, a Yorkshire fl flower on it, or the flower of Yorkshire. And I looked at it and I was like, oh, look. And I turned over and I was like, oh, look, that's one of Sam's shirts. And the guys I was with were like, oh, 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 I thought you were pointing at the guy beside him wearing one of the brewery shirts. And I was <laughs> like, I didn't even see that. So I hopped on my bike and I sort of chased him down to those houses over there. And, uh, and I was like, hey, hey, guys, guys, like that, you know, I, I set up that brewery. That's, that's one of the shirts. I've never, like, we've developed merch before and we walk around Hernhill and Brixton and we see our t-shirts and the bags and we get excited about seeing those things and our glasses and pubs, but there are a limited number of these shirts in circulation. Yeah. So to be out in Kent on a ride and bump into someone wearing the shirt, it was, I was like, this is amazing. What did they say? How about that? Um, so he knew about the brewery, but it was actually a friend of his that had bought it for him um, via the Pariah site yeah. website, actually, not directly from us, which is actually even more surprising because it's like someone that wasn't directly connected to the brewery. Didn't have um, that Brixton affiliation necessarily. Didn't have the Brixton affiliation, but had the South, the South uh, uh, London affiliation. Um, yeah, and he was a big fan of the shirt and big fan of Pariah, so, so it was, it was really cool. So let this again a little bit in that um, this is also a podcast about kit. And yes. one of the things I liked about Brixton Brewery, one of the reasons that I heard about it is because actually I saw your jersey on the Pariah website because oh, really? I like Pariah kit. Okay. It's, a, it's a sort of indie Yorkshire brand. Yes. When I first heard about it a few years ago, it really was quite small, but now it does seem to be building a little bit, yeah. probably benefiting from the cycling boom a little bit. He, he, yeah, Sam's really had a, a great boom through the cycling, um, the cycling boom, but also COVID, and he yeah. was a primarily online uh, B2C business and COVID for him was, you know, it was a big boon. Because I mean, for me, that that brand and everything about it, it sort of um, does epitomise what sort of cycling culture is. It's, like, it's kind of guys with long hair and tattoos wearing like cycling shorts and sort of normal tees and, and the jerseys are kind of like tattoo-esque. Yeah. They have individual designers um, and, and that's how you got yours design really. And yeah, yours, absolutely. Your shirt's quite a unique shirt. Yeah, yeah, so with this, um, what I, so I met Sam years ago through a friend of ours, right when, around the time he was sort of working full time and thinking about Pariah, and he had some bits going on with Pariah. It was a five to nine type thing. Hopefully yeah. it'll become a full time job one day. <laughs> Pardon me. And it was right when we started the brewery as well, around the similar time, so we were all like on the same, the same path. And, uh, and we kept talking, I kept talking to him about wanting to do a custom jersey. And it took me two years to get around to it. And finally, I met him and he was just like, you know, you, you guys have some really great designs on your labels. Why don't you just churn one of those into a jersey? And I was like, oh, I didn't really thought of that. I thought we had to get like designers in and, you know, we, we, at the time we worked with third party designers, so it would have been like this back and forth forever. And so I just took one of the labels from um, a special we did called Megawatt, yep. which was um, a, a double IPA. One Megawatt. So the brewery, one of our original beers was Electric IPA off yep. of Electric Avenue. Um, okay, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's a, it's a beer with like a lot of flavor, a lot of punch. Um, and it was, you know, at the time when we first started, that was our flagship um, beer. And then we, as we started doing specials, we began to work with the electricity theme. So we used names that built on electricity. So we did our session IPA was low voltage, which actually 
It's the only beer that I've actually think that I've come up with a name for it. <laughs> but the reason we settled on it was because one, it had the electricity theme with voltage, but at the time that we released it, we were keen on, not keen on, because we didn't want to be, um, we didn't want to be cliche about it, but it was just after Bowie died, and Bowie was a Brixton boy when he was very young. And I'm looking, at your, I'm looking at your hat now. You've got the kind of, I mean, it's associated with voltage, but it's also yeah, that kind of... The, uh, the lightning, the electric, the, the whole theme. Yeah, exactly. Um, was it Aladdin, Aladdin Zane? Is, is that, is Aladdin that? Zane, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is, the idea was never to work with Aladdin no. Zane, but that was a, the character. Everyone thinks it's Ziggy Stardust, but it was Aladdin Zane, the, yeah. the, the character with the... The, uh, the the pink and orange and, and white lightning bolt down, the, down his face. Yeah, I mean, that iconic lightning yeah, bolt. Yeah, exactly. So so actually, low voltage was around that time, and we were trying to think of ways to reference Bowie ourselves without actually, you know, calling How do it, I reference Bowie? How, without without referencing, referencing Bowie. Bowie. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite Bowie songs is, um, is off the album Low. We were doing a lower ABV version of Electric IPA, so I thought, oh, why not low voltage? Um, and it stuck, and it worked, and we used the, the color theme from, you know, Aladdin Sane um, with the lightning bolts, and it worked out really well. So anyway, I've gone way off well, on a tangent but, here, but, 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 but we'll the, come the back to it. For the, the design for the, for the beer branding, basically, yeah. you took it off the beer, you put it on the jersey yeah. with a few extra bits. Right, so, so, so Megawatt was actually our double IPA that we did as a Christmas special, um, and I just took the label, and I just cut it up. And I took a print off of what a jersey would look like, and I just started sticking things in different places, and uh, and that was it. I said it to Sam, and I was like, "Can you can you mock this up and do a jersey?" And he went for it. So we were really happy with the way it turned out. Very you know unexpected way to come up with a jersey design, but yeah, it's worked really well. And then with our with the cycling caps, which were which we're both wearing, well done. Very nice. Now I've seen one of these out in the, in, in the environment as well. First time. In Kent. Yeah, in Kent. Same place as the Giants in Jersey. The same place. How Lots about of that? fans around it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that was the same thing. It was just, you know, this is the sort of the, the, the base brand imagery that we, that's used for, for Bricks and Brewery. And it was a nice easy one to translate onto a cap. Uh, and Sam helped with a few little ideas like putting the B on the uh, on the front and then flip it down you're going to be on the on the other side as well why cycling though because i mean like you like cycling but is, is there any other reason because it does seem like loads of uh sort of small beer companies to, to large companies have got this kind of association with you know even down to sort of brew dog that have got a, a cycling club based out of one of their yeah rooms i suppose do you know what it is i've got no idea i, I do, mean they, they I do mean, seem to go hand I, in hand but i don't I, know why i don't i actually don't know why i've never really put that much thought to it but you're absolutely right like the the connection between beer and bikes is is really strong um, right, right from like the road cycling, yeah. you know, finishing with a beer to the fixie crew who are all about their fixies and their tats and their, you know, their crit leagues with beers. Yeah. Crit, crit, what is it? Is it crit beers or something? Or, or the, the fixed beers? Fixed beers, crit. yeah. Um, it's, it's really, the, the association is, is really strong. And, you know, I don't know what it is. I personally have been a huge fan of cycling most of my life. My brother actually got me into it. He's the real cyclist in the family um, and uh, yeah I mean it's just I think the two go really well together I like to think that it's some kind of um, genetic disposition yeah. where <laughs> people who are into bikes are inherently also into, into beer. beer into beer yeah. it might actually be simpler than that that's what I'm going to go with <laughs> no no I like, I like your I like your theory I think it works um, but it is it's, it's, it's a great association I mean there's nothing like finishing a long ride with you know a nice cold pint even even in the winter somehow Finishing a long ride, yeah. go into a warm pub, yeah, yeah. have a nice pint. Which, which was difficult. That was what was difficult about that last winter. That was very difficult. The, we yeah. had all these grand plans all the time. We'd go out on a long ride, which you could do, which was great during yeah. lockdown. You'd go out, you could still do like 150k. You know, your girlfriend wouldn't be annoyed about it, you being out all Saturday because she's had to spend the whole week with you. Yeah. She just can't <laughs> wait for you to get out of the house for a day. And then... You think, oh, brilliant, we've done all this hard work. And then you go and sit outside a pub. And then the moment you sit down, you start yeah, shivering. Exactly. Everyone just sort of downs their pints and, and gets off. And that was what's quite difficult about the... Because uh, we were sort of both saying earlier that, I mean, you, you're, you were working the whole time, weren't you? Pretty it, much, it, it, yeah. it wasn't like you sort yeah. of sat indoors for the whole time. 
And it no, was great for no, cyclists, exactly. really. Like, it, it was. It was the one thing that you could still do. Yeah, I mean, the first lockdown was basically like a glory day of cycling that I mean, we the will never, ever London. see again. What a dream. Never again. Ne they'll never happen. It was just so amazing. You, you didn't even need to go for like long rides. You, you know, you know, keep within Boris's one hour yeah. and, uh, and you could go and see so much because you weren't bound by or, yeah. or, or being run, run over by traffic or slowed by traffic yeah. and going. You could like smash it around the city at like 40k an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it was amazing. And going into like central, I went into, I think a lot of people did this, but going right into central yeah. London one Saturday morning at 8 a.m. I don't know if it would have been that much different at four o'clock because there's no one around, but you know, pictures of Regent Street with not a soul. Just deserted. It's just, yeah. it was, it's like, you know, one of those apocalyptic movies. I don't know. Yeah. Do you like laps around Trafalgar Square? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was, it, was, it was great. So, I mean, I actually did, a bit of road riding before that with friends from work but I think it was actually really I'm um, partly during the first lockdown was when I really got into the longer bigger rides because you could just go and go and go and as you say there was time you know there no commitment there was no commitment yeah. nothing your only commitment was being at home so if you could get out it was uh, it was quite amazing and, and it was sort of discouraged for going out for too long so you know you Go out for like an hour every day. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and you can do a lot. You can do a lot in an hour. You can. But we couldn't get out here to uh, to Ainsford though. Not not quite this far, no. And it's lovely no. here, isn't it? I mean, it's it really is. shining down on us. We're sitting next to this stream. There's kids playing in the stream. I mean it feels like August again all of a sudden. It's been a it bit does, yeah. It's been it's been a rough few weeks, but it does feel like a little bit of summer's shining on us once again. We've done some pretty brutal hills so far. We have. You've been making me hurt. We have. I'm sorry promised. about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a little bit of a of a glutton for a, a hill. What do you think? Like, we've done, like a bit of a hill hunt. Five, six hundred meters. I like Probably that sounds, that sounds about right. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. We've hit some yeah, twenty-five so. percenters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't been that easy on you. So I suppose in a second we'll get back to it. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds good. Come back via Chislehurst, which, by the way, is absolutely packed with restaurants and cafes if you're looking for somewhere to stop before the final stretch into London. Then I get a slow puncture and we stop a few times to pump it back and we basically limp back to London. Standard. Yeah, big thanks to uh, Team at Halfords, hashtag gift. We do Crystal Palace Park Climb. It's half a kilometre at about 5.6%. It's my favourite of a few options because Whatever way you go, there's always a hill on the way back into London. We head back to Mike's local on Brixton Hill, but it's shut, so we go to his house where he's got some beers on chill. I have a backup plan. Okay. But when I share the route, it'll finish at the tap room, which is a much better idea. But we finished at Mike's house on this particular day to talk about how they set up the company, which, by the way, has now been bought out by Heineken, and if it was worth it. So, Mike. Decent ride. It's a great ride. Just shy eighty k. Not bad. Not bad for a Tuesday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. What are your favourite parts of the ride? Um, I actually, yeah, I know we went back to see that bridge, um, the aqueduct, and I wasn't expecting to continue on, but actually continuing on and doing that little bit up by the eagle was it Eagle's Nest or something like that? Yeah, some sanctuary yeah, that Eagle's I've never been to. I like that bit. Yeah, I like that bit. I like getting off of the road. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I really miss doing, um, doing you know proper off-roading and, and mountain biking. So, so that was a good little section. Absolutely. That. And um, yeah, and as much as it pains others, I did. I do love that little twenty-five percenter. I don't know what it's called. I think because I only, I usually only go down. Yeah. I've only been up maybe two or three times. I'll work it out. I'll, I'll do. I'll do a note at the end for anyone who wants to know what that twenty-five percent hill is so they can either do it or avoid it. In case you're wondering, it's down road climb, the one we talked about earlier. It's nice to be sitting down here with a beer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. One of your Brixton Brewery, I've got the Cold Harbour Lager, named after Cold Harbour Lane. Cold Harbour Lane, and I've got the Atlantic, which is named after Atlantic, um, Atlantic Avenue um, in Brixton, yeah. So how did it start? I mean, we've talked about this briefly 
what Brixton Brewery was and it started out with you and Jez and your wives yeah. what are your wives names I don't want to just call them uh, your wives Sochiel and Libby yeah yeah. so uh, and just to clarify um, Libby is Jez's wife Jez's Sochiel wife is, is your wife you don't right. have two wives I do not have two wives no <laughs> <laughs> so um, it started off with you four meeting in the Hive Bar what were you doing before? so I worked in finance and financial data yeah um, before um, and actually not just before but also for the first five years of the existence of the brewery. The brewery was my five to nine. Yeah. Um, for Jez, it was, it was a nine to five. Well, we used those, those um, hours of the day very loosely because it yeah. was more like five until whenever and his was nine until whenever. Um, and, and what was Jez doing before? Jez worked in uh, technology uh, for, uh, for a financial company as well. Um, and, so, um, so they're good jobs, they're well-paid jobs. I'm yeah. guessing they're not dream jobs. Uh, in terms of they, lifestyle and, and, and what you're doing? No, I mean, I didn't, I ended, I stumbled into finance. It was a total fluke. Um, and I enjoyed parts of it. I don't think personally that I was like the typical financial type. Um, and I suppose the reason I'm asking about this is that I think there's probably a lot of people who, who are doing jobs and I think, ah, do you know, I'd love to do something that I was just a bit more passionate about. Um, and I suppose, you know, uh, you were passionate about beer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, 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 difficult to, it's difficult to take the leap. Mm. And I think taking the leap from a job where you've got some financial comfort and probably also future um, Progression. Job, well, progression, but also just like job security. Yeah. Like if you start your own thing, one, the money's going to be more challenging, probably. And two, you don't have the longevity of whatever you're going to start. Even after fi five years, you don't know the yeah, I mean, longevity of whatever you're doing. It's just a massive risk. It's a massive risk. It's a total risk. You don't know what's going to happen. It's a total risk. Um, and it's really, really difficult to make that leap and take that risk. Um, but also at the same time, we certainly, when we were talking about it at that, you know, at the Hive Bar and then at our sort of like dreaming sessions at pubs afterwards, um, Jez and I, we were like, we don't want to be the ones who had that idea and didn't make the leap and watch someone else do exactly that. And so, what was the idea? Was it more than just Lots of people are probably, oh. Oh, there's my wife, one of the other <laughs> founders. Oh, and my daughter, who's, who's just home from a camp at school, her new school camp. Hi. Hello. Hi, I'm James. Hello. <laughs> this is James, or also known as JD. Yeah. We've been cycling. We are still, we are still recording. Um, but but that's, all right. that's all right. That's all right. It's a podcast. We can cut you out or we can add you in. Yeah. You're in a that was Mike's daughter, Saskia, who basically told us that we're going to have to move things along because Mike was due to go and pick up his son and she didn't want to have to go and do it with her mum. Yeah, if we go on for, for, for too long, I don't think anyone's going to want to listen to this podcast. Yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think it's got a 15 minutes max <laughs> yeah. level of interest. <laughs> we, have not, we have not seen the cat. No. no. Rocket. Is your cat called Rocket? Yes. Brilliant. Yes. Yes. So we went on to basically talk about how, and I am paraphrasing here, they basically set up the company because of massive FOMO. It's the risk, but if you didn't take the risk, then you'd spend forever looking back on why, what would it have been like if we didn't. So I think we took the lease in June 13. And actually um, since then, Brixton has seen kind of a massive rise in yeah. prominence and yeah, you know, yeah. the brewery, the brewery has yeah I think when we started the brewery there were maybe <clears throat> 50 or so sort of like micro pubs brew or, or sort of brew pubs and, and microbreweries in, in London um, and within short order it was up to like 120 mm. um, I don't know what the numbers are these days but um, but definitely we, we you know we got in as part of a wave mm. um, and we know that and you know a lot of people have 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 joined that and it's still happening you know even 
where the the brewery is um, on on the edges of, of Brixton and, and, and Dillon Road, within I don't know, like a five hundred meter radius, there are three other breweries. Yeah, um, which is which is great, and you know that creates a nice community of people who are around. And you know, yes, we've we as in in, in Brixton um, ended up <coughs> taking investment from Heineken. Um, that was, you know, our choice. We were happy to go that route. We know that that's not everyone's bag, um, and we appreciate that. But, you know, that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to, to grow and build, and we didn't have the funds to, to take the next leap. Um, and it was an interesting opportunity that was, that was presented to us by a large brewer. And, you know, we, we thought, you know, if we don't... It, again, it's, you know, going back to that same calculation. If we don't take this risk and do this, then they'll look for someone else to partner with, and then we'll wonder if that could have been us. So it's again, you know, a bit of that, that grabbing the, the bull by the horns or taking an opportunity in front of you and sort of running with it. Um, and that, that really enabled us, that investment to, to grow, build a new brewery. Because um, the new brewery, uh, just so people know, like the tap room is what most people would know as Brixton Brewery. Correct. That's where it started, under Correct. the arches, yeah, right next to Brixton Road. Overground Station. That's right, yes. But what you also have, I mean, you tell me. Yeah, so the other site is um, w was um, something that was built in over the course of sort of late 2017, early 2018. And that produces... Um, f you know, five times what the the small brewery did in a single batch, mm. um, and had the room and the and the and this, the space for increased capacity and and growth, and you know that's really what's enabled Brixton Brewery to become more visible um, around certainly around London, but also getting further afield into some supermarkets like uh, Marks and Spencer and Sainsburys. Um, that 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 new site was the, the enabler. Yeah. And, and our relationship and investment from Heineken was the enabler to get to that next level that we probably would have struggled to do much more than we ever did if we were sort of you know, landlocked to the, to the railway arches where at that time we were producing maybe two and a half thousand hectoliters a year or 2,500, or sorry, um, 250,000 liters a year, yeah. which isn't really that much. And the site that exists now on Dillon Road has the capability of doing you know, two million pints a year. So it's it's a bigger it's a bigger operation and just enables that. that Another growth. thing, I'd like to put it into context, I suppose that tap room. Everyone knows the Bristol Brewery. It's a great tap room. It's got a good vibe. Got loads of chipboard up. You know, it feels very much yeah. like a brewery tap room. But the, there's a big vat, well, a number of vats next next door That's to right. it. That's right. Uh, and that is now where you do essentially your guest brews, isn't it? Yeah. And, so and the real production stuff happens at Dillon Road. Yeah. So the, bre so the brewers are, are kind of able to do a bit of experimenting, letting yeah. loose. Um, well, we talked so a while about those guest ales. And as we did, I remember the time when I met Mike on a ride organised by Brixton Breweries. After your first Brixton Brewery ride, I remember going to Brixton Brewery and you had yes. that guest ale that's called a Sauce or something like that. Yeah. And that was yeah. about 6.8%. I yeah. had two of them and I had to get the train back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was a, a very fun first brewery ride, was, yeah. for sure. Well, we wrapped up the chat there and I did plan to edit the podcast straight away, but life got in the way a bit. And before I knew it, six months had gone by. And by that point, it just made more sense to meet up again and find out what the brewery had been up to since. So we met in Trinity Arms in Brixton, somewhere that I know well and somewhere Mike recommended that afternoon. Uh, we met there for a burger. Mike told me about the beers they make and also a cycling event he was working on, which was a Ride Fresh exclusive announcement. But then it took me too long to do the re-edit. More on that later. But here is our final chat at the Trinity Arms. So look, Mike, last time I spoke to you, I asked you about a few recommendations. One of the places you said was Trinity Arms, which is a place I know well. Uh, and so we're here today. It's a really nice pub in Brixton. It's a little bit tucked away just off the main strip. We're sat outside at the moment. There's a fire here to our right. And all round there are Brixton Brewery murals. It's like a tribute to, to your brand and what you've created. So I'm not surprised you like it here. Yeah, love it, love it here. And it, it's, it's true, we've got such you know, great branding. This has been such an amazing um, you know, believer in, in Brixton Brewery uh, over the years. So, you know, these murals are actually <coughs> hand painted. 
um, by a, a good friend uh, of the brewery. Um, some of you can see actually around the, the seating. Uh, most of the, the benches, or not benches, but these are These are these barrels are that you were telling me, the, the kind barrels. of barrels that you used to uh, roll out by hand to, to local right. businesses That's at right. the yeah. beginning. Yeah, exactly. And these are the branded ones that we got. They're, they're made out of like polymer plastic, which in the beginning you do because it's cheap, but actually they don't last very long. So actually okay. these guys turn them all into stools. And so they make fantastic stools for, for you know, around the table. Great, great additional branding. They've got a bit of a retro look to them. So it's a, it's a super cool pub. The first time I came here actually was before I'd even moved to Brixton. We had come down for a gig at the Brixton Academy um, to see Beck. And, uh, and our friends recommended coming here, and it was like heaving with people. And I thought, mm. like, what an amazing venue to be just sort of off in the back street. Yet, yeah, you know, right next to the academy, really, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. But here we are today. I mean, it, to be fair, it is about midday on a Monday, and it is kind of unsurprisingly, we've got the place to ourselves, which yeah. is nice. And for anyone listening, um, wondering why we did what we did before, we went on this big ride, and then uh, we went to your house, had a beer, but what we decided, because basically it's taken me so long to edit this podcast, it was probably six months ago <laughs> when we last met, uh, we decided to come back here, follow one of your recommendations, and talk a little bit more about um, the beer that you make, that we're drinking right now. What we got yeah. here? This is a uh, low voltage. So low voltage is actually uh, when we spoke um, uh, earlier on, um, nice. it was the one that I actually had managed to, to come up with the name of the, the Bowie reference, and uh, it's great. It's an amazing beer, really super refreshing, nice passion fruit notes, really, really, you know, yeah, it tastes a fruity. very, very enjoyable session IPA. And actually, I've just come back from a, a week of snowboarding um, in Italy, where it's just lager everywhere yeah. and this is you know crisp having, kind of tinny lager yeah yeah and having my first sip of this uh you know it just it, it just tastes amazing it's so great and the other thing we wanted to talk about as well as the beer and anything upcoming is you know a bit more about bikes because it's something that you're passionate about and you know since you've kind of been able to step away from brixton a little bit more you've been able to focus your attention on a few other things yeah but you know, we should start with the beer. We just talked about lower voltage. So just tell me, kind of, w what else have you got to offer? And I mean, it's, there's plenty on tap here at, so, here at Trinity Yeah, Arms. so the Trinity Arms actually is, I mean, in terms of the volume of beer that, that Brixton sell in Brixton, this place turns through the most. Um, and a lot of it is the Session IPA, but also the lager, which um, we didn't focus on in early days because it takes up a lot of your, your fermentation capacity due to the time it takes to... Uh, and, and this is what, I, th I think most people probably don't like know this, you'd assume that lager was easier to make because of the volume in which it's made. Actually, it takes a lot longer. It, it does the way that we do it. I think some of the big brewers have found ways to accelerate that process, but um, the way that we did it, it took about three times as long. Uh, so it's something that we didn't really focus on that much in early days, but as we grew and, and had more capacity, we really put effort into making the recipe exactly how we wanted it to really get it out to a bigger audience. Um, and we, we really are really happy with the way it turned out. Um, and it has been getting much more exposure and you know, we're starting to see it in many more places. Um, and it's a big seller here as well. Just let me just do one more, one thing quickly. Yeah. Can you do that as well? Can you tap the actual mic? Can't find it. It's, it's right. Let me do it. Okay, that's fine. That's all I needed to know. Cool. Just a bit of reassurance. Okay. So, you know, the lager, in terms of the beer, um, we know what you've got at the moment. It's quite easy to find, but is there anything on the way? Um, yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that's been, that was a real challenge for the brewery as we came into lockdown was just finding the time to brew anything that wasn't the core range. But as the breweries moved into to 2022, there's a whole calendar of specials that are that are on the way. Um, in fact, just last week at the tap room, there was a brewers challenge where three of the brewers put on you know their own version of what they wanted to produce in a bigger scale. So just you know 20, 30 liters of each, um, and then we put it to a, a public vote at the tap room. So I don't know who the winner is yet, but um, but it's super exciting that the brewers are allowed to just test and try these these you know these ideas they have and then uh, and then get those out into into uh, specials into you know some of our, our you know 
the, the, the bigger retailers that, that we deal with and, and even some of the, the pubs you know, around the corner from the brewery that want to take specials. It's, it's, it's great. It does feel a little bit like things are a bit, a bit more back to normal because even yeah. last time we spoke, you know, it was, it was just emerging. But you know, now you are, I mean, this is kind of a little bit back to how Brixton started with the, the, the sort of guest ales and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And those are the ones that will be brewed in the, uh, the smaller brewery just to the, to the left of the, the taproom. Um, so it's great to finally be able to utilize that space um, in, a, in a more um, adventurous way than, than what we use the big space for, which is a, a lot more of the, the core range. So let's just talk about bikes now for a second. So, sure. um, I mean, you grew up in Canada, in case anyone is wondering what that accent is. Yeah, yeah, um, and you started mountain biking, is that about right? I did, yeah, yeah, I did. And then uh, I got into road biking in London because, I mean, there's not a lot of mountain biking on your doorstep. You can do it, obviously, down, down um, Surrey Way, but it's just a bit more of a schlep to, yeah. to make it happen. Um, so, uh, yeah, so started road biking and got really quite into it. And, uh, and over the past few years especially, it's become much more of a passion. Um, my kids kind of make fun of me that all I do, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm doing anything, it's something to do with cycling. Whether it's like reading about it, watching it, doing it. Yeah, it feels I think like it's good to have a passion though. I, mean, I, I don't passion, think I had yeah. anything until I was about 30 and I started riding bikes. Before yeah. then, you know, it was just kind of, it was just nothing. It's nice to have something to focus your attention yeah, on. Yeah, it is, it is, absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's totally true. <laughs> Yeah. But you're um, you're out of action at the moment. Uh, I'm a little bit out of action due to a, a small sprain of my knee or, or a minor sprain of my knee while snowboarding. But um, but hopefully I can recover by Sunday because you know as we were speaking about earlier, we the, the hell of the Ashdown is is a big ride in, in Kent. In fact, I'd forgotten that it, it's, it's this Sunday, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I am not well trained for this. Yeah, no. Well, well, I mean, maybe if my knee's not quite up to par, <laughs> then we can ride together. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was yeah. brutal. That. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I'm still injured, we can ride together. Don't leave it that way. It's, it's I think, I think yeah. Mike's, just, for those who don't know, Mike's power to ratio is a little power to weight ratio is a bit stronger than mine. And, you know, also, Hell of the Ashdown is this great event. It's kind of legendary around these areas because it's, it's kind of all of the biggest hills in Kent over about 100 kilometers. It, it literally seeks out the steepest, yeah. the biggest hills. Some of the ones that we went on during our ride yeah, will absolutely. be in there. Also, you know, one kind of ominously named the wall. Yes. If you don't know what that is, you'll find out on that yeah, ride. I've never ridden it, actually. I'm, I'm quite excited to ride that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. it's a good one. As a, um, as a hill chaser. I mean, it's called yeah. the wall because it just, it's straight. So you get to the bottom and you just see it and it, you know, there's no wind in it like right. with some of the other hills. So you, you just look ahead and it's there just going up <laughs> until the horizon, essentially. Uh, excellent. So I mean, that sounds awesome to me. Yeah, I know, <laughs> and I know you like those kind of love, things. You're a bit of a mountain guy. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that's this Sunday. So, uh, you know, check it out if anyone, I say this Sunday, by the time yeah. this is this, probably not. Yeah, but, end uh, of February, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. where the look, yeah. it's where the look. Yeah. But we actually, and, and some of the things that, that I've been doing since we last spoke was, um, I've been working actually with the, the guy who runs, mm -hmm. um, now runs the Hell of the Ashdown, to work, to, to sort of collaborate on a cycling sportif that will run from the brewery. So the idea would be, or the idea is, to try to bring some of my cycling connections yeah. into to Brixton Brewery with, with, with its, you know, um, you know, historic interest in cycling, cycling yeah, yeah. and clothing and things. So um, Paul, who runs um, Flam Rouge, who operates Hell of the Ashdown, he, um, I've connected him with the brewery, and then also along with Pariah, uh -huh. who, who do the jerseys that we spoke about last time. Um, Pariah is going to put on an event in London that will be hosted by Brixton Brewery. Oh, I and see. And Paul, Paul, who runs uh, Hell the Ashdown, will help to operate it. So kind of all of us coming together to put on, you know, not a major event, but, you know, maybe 100, 200 cyclists riding out of, of Brixton Brewery's main, main um, site in... London around June for a 100k spin around Kent and then 
some beers at the end. Ride Fresh so exclusive here. Yeah, new, that's right. New collab coming. That's right, that's right. It is a Ride Fresh exclusive. <laughs> oh, well, look, you know, tell us more about that when, when you have a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Is it still up in the air or we think? Uh, we, we've got dates and we've yeah. got we've got some, some branding just set up to via Praia. The... So we just, need, we just need to finalize the branding and then we'll uh, We'll put that out via Praia and Brixton Brewery. So I mean, yeah, one soon. to two hundred k followed by beers is, is basically my sort of dream weekend anyway. So. Yeah, yeah, should be awesome. Yeah, should be really good. Yeah, really looking forward to it. And yeah. you know, we talked last time. You know, you were saying kind of in your sort of thirties, in your twenties. You know, the the pub was kind of your life, and then that's what led to Brixton Brewery. Yeah. Now riding is your life, really, and you're working on a few other things as well. You wanted to mention one of the projects that you're yeah. working with here in Brixton. Uh, yeah. So actually, um, the one of the people that I met through um, the Cycling Connections is is a guy called um, Phil who during uh, the lockdowns, uh, I'm thinking the first one, um, and, and, es and especially after the, um, the, the sort of Black Lives Matter, yeah. um, you know, awareness that was, that was created, he decided he wanted to set up a charity that enabled him to put bikes into mm -hmm. the hands of underprivileged youth in and around, I mean, London generally, but with a yeah. specific focus at the moment. Because we, I mean, we kind of talked about this, that, you know, cycling, it is, you know, a wonderful thing. It can be so useful, but pro probably the world, the way in which we consume cycling is quite a sort of a, an elite sport in many ways. Yes. But, you know, so you're saying you're sort of trying to get involved in some of the things that can make it a bit more yeah, universal. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so Phil's um, company, it's, it's called um, Upcycle London. Mm -hmm. And um, initially it was started with the idea of taking bike donations, fixing them up, and then get, putting them in the hands of, of, of these underprivileged youth. Um, but what he found out reasonably quickly was that if there was a problem with the bike, the, 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 the kids didn't know how to fix them. Yeah. So they would just end up back in the, on the street and not being used. So actually it's evolved into um, workshops. So you, the kids will get the bikes and they'll be taught how to do you know, the suite of basic repairs to keep it running while through, through one of these upcycle workshops, and then they take the bike away at the end, and then they've got the sufficiency to actually be able to use the bike, and if something goes wrong, they can change the, 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 you know, the, the tubes, they can fix the brakes. So it's actually, it's really fantastic what he's, what he's pulled off, and yeah. he's getting some, some really good um, coverage, and actually, again, bringing it back to, to my connection with the brewery, mm -hmm. is you know, we'll hopefully be able to help him do a fundraising event at the brewery and, and increase some, some awareness and raise some funds. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to be working a little bit Absolutely. in the cycling community and doing something that isn't you know, just simply yeah. know, involved with the, the, you know, the, the mammals as we- Exactly, because I mean, yeah. we all love local, local bike shops. They do some wonderful things. They Absolutely. do some wonderful things in connecting people. They do some great community events, but you know, for some people, it's just not really an option. It's Unless you have accessible. those skills yeah. to do it yourself, then That's right. you just see bikes sitting, you know, locked up outside the train stations forever until they eventually get taken away. That's right, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great initiative. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, I think he's done a fantastic job and I really hope that it continues to grow. So we've been talking about cycling, we've talked about your event, we've talked about this new project. It sounds very admirable, you know, certainly something worth checking out. Um, anything else to look forward to, Mike? Uh, there is one other little thing in the pipeline that we've been dab I've been dabbling with is through through another connection um, in the cycling world, um, specifically around um, wheels. Mm -hmm. um, uh, connected uh, a wheel maker to Brixton, and we're hoping for a little bit of a. There's a collab in the works. Really, um, with yeah, wheels. With wheels, yeah. So we'll we'll see we'll see what comes of it, but the aim is for. Um, for a little collab, maybe uh, maybe a special wheel design, maybe a special beer, and perhaps a little uh, charity endurance bike ride to, to connect the, the, the two. So that that's probably sort of May June way, but I uh, can't give too much away just I yet. I see you're playing your cards yeah. close to your chest. <laughs> close to there. my chest, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, you know it, it, it's going to be amazing when when it does um, come to fruit. Yeah. Well, as soon as we uh, find out a little bit more yeah. about that, I yeah. suppose we can we can always talk again. Yeah, exactly. I think for now, um, thanks very much for joining me, and um, we've got some recommendations, and we've got we've got some pints to drink. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's finish these babies off. Okay. Yeah. Cheers, Mike. Cheers. Thank you. So that was Bikes, Beers and Brixton. And since we met up, that event has been officially announced. It's called The Outsider. It's a collab between Brixton Breweries and Pariah, which makes clothing and other accessories. That event is in June. Also, don't forget to check out ridefresh.cc on social media because there's loads more content, including the route, pictures from the ride and from Trinity Arms. So you can give it a go yourself if you're looking for some route inspiration now the weather is looking up. Now, I talked about how long it's taken me to get this podcast done, but I've actually got one more in the can already. So next week, I'm talking to a cycling clothing designer and company founder, Russ Jones from Hackney GT, about cycling and his career as an international DJ. And we're riding from Hackney into Essex. He's a really interesting guy, and actually, I really enjoyed the chat. It just goes to show that some of the people you meet on the road have got some absolutely amazing stories. So do tune in for that one, because it's really worth a listen. Hopefully, see you then. Hold up. 